Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be discussing the Josh Gordon situation, uh, how that's led to some other things like Ryan Allen's got cut, uh, Dontrell Inman off the team, so we're going to get to all of that what they should do with uh, Josh Gordon, that whole situation. Then we're going to touch up on the uh, Patriots preseason week two, um, 22-17 to 17 win over the Tennessee Titans. Some takeaways from that game. Then we're going to get to the Red Sox. I haven't talked about them in a while. I haven't touched up on them in their past six games. Uh, six, yeah, six games. Only two three-game series between the Indians, Orioles, should we believe in what's going on? Should we believe in this four-game winning streak, or is it all fake? Uh, we're going to get to all that. But first, let's start out with the Josh Gordon situation, so let's get to that. Okay, so I felt like I was I was worried that it was going to be too late to talk about the Josh Gordon news. I was just like, oh my god, this came out days ago. And I've been trying to do a podcast. I've been very busy. I tried to do one last night, and then it was either I do one at 10 o'clock, Eastern time, or I do one at 10 o'clock Eastern time in the morning, the next morning. So basically, I'm doing this, uh, what day, Tuesday morning instead of late Monday night. No big difference, because I doubt you guys listen right away when it comes out at 11 o'clock at night. Most of you probably sleeping, but the Josh Gordon news has still been relevant. Patriots preseason still been relevant. I've heard people still talking about it, which is good. It's still relevant. Here's my take on the whole thing. First, I want to read the whole message sent out by the NFL. Um, Here it is. Josh Gordon is back in the league again. The NFL is conditionally reinstating the New England Patriots wide receiver following his indefinite suspension, the league announced. We are all rooting for Josh to succeed, both personally and professionally, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said in a statement. Everyone shares in that hope and will continue to support him to every extent possible. But as Josh acknowledged, ultimately, his success is up to him. Gordon is allowed to return to New England's facility and engage in conditional workout and individual workouts on Sunday. Subject to appropriate progress on clinical care and other arrangements, Gordon will be permitted to practicing in the team activities, including practice. Participate in team activities during practice, my bad. The receiver may attend, but not play in New England's third preseason game on August 22nd, which is fairly coming up soon. For the past eight months, Josh's situation has been entirely a league matter, Coach Belichick said in a statement. When Josh returns to our program, we'll evaluate the entire situation and do what we feel is best for Josh and the team. The 28-year-old wideout was suspended for violating the league's substance abuse policy in December after announcing he was stepping away from the game to focus on mental health and some other stuff. But that's the main part. That's the main juice on the Josh Gordon situation. So he steps away last season. Let's just take a backtrack in time. Last season he plays, um, says 11 games, and he played one with Cleveland, which I don't think was true, but he played 11 games with you nonetheless. So 11 games is a lot for Josh Gordon. Let's go back. First year, 2012, uh, rookie season, he plays all 16 games. He started in 13, got 96 targets, caught 50 balls. We'll just, I'll stay away from the targets, but 50 receptions for 805 yards, five touchdowns. And 16.1 yards for reception, which shows he's a pretty you know b- big uh, receiver and gets a lot of uh, yards after carry. But I'll stay away from that. I'll just do the receptions and the yards the games. Second season, 2013, we're like, all right, he, he proved a lot in that first year. 50 catches, 805 yards, five touchdowns. That's a pretty good stat line for your rookie season in Cleveland. Goes out. This was the big year. This is the year that people remember. This was Josh Gordon's best season ever. 2013, second year in the league. He plays 14 games. Only played 14 games. And he grabbed 87 balls for 1,646 yards. Receiving yards. He had five rushes, too, for 88 yards. Uh, he's never rushed ever since that again. But look, 
887 catches for 1,646 yards. That led the league. He had 117.6 yards a game. The guy was a beast. That got people, especially in Cleveland, very excited. Josh Gordon looked like the future Antonio Brown, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, whatever you want to say, of right now. Like, skill-wise, he looked like he was the future best receiver in the NFL. But then he goes into 2014 and only plays five games before getting suspended. He had 24 catches for 303 yards, slowed down a bit in those five games, and then he was out, out of the league. The next season, missed season, violating for violating the league substance abuse policy in 2015. Then 2016, he missed the season again for violating the of league substance abuse policy. So now he's missed... Two and a half years, two and a half seasons of football. And the Browns are kind of sitting here like, all right, what are we going to do? But he's still only 26. The Browns bring him back in in 2017. He plays five games. And that was it, only five games. And then he comes in in 2018 and finally got off another suspension. He's been suspended indefinitely, what, five or six times now. And he comes back for one game. He got one catch for 17 yards, and he was out of there. They traded him. And we got Josh Gordon for, what, a fifth-round pick. So the Patriots sat here and said, you know what? We look at Josh Gordon. We only have to give up a fifth-round pick for what could potentially be a very good player uh, in Josh Gordon. Yeah, sorry for those last 10 seconds. The mic just cut out. But the Patriots kind of just sat here and said, you know what? A fifth-round pick for a guy who, yes, has been suspended, what, four or five times by this point. And then they said, you know what, but I think, you know, you see the potential. Look what he did in 2013. 87 catches for 1,646 yards in only 14 games. The guy has potential to be something special. Or at least coming here and be a solid player. If he can stay on the field, we want to give him another play. We think he's worth a fifth-round pick. We think that that's not saying, you know, Josh Gordon's a great guy and the Browns, you know, did everything, but maybe the Patriots, you know, much better system, much better franchise taking care of them will help, you know, make him a better person and keep him on the field rather than off it suspended once again. But it didn't. He played 11 games, things seemed to be going smoothly, and he missed some of the biggest games of the year, those playoff games. And in those 11 games with you, he had 68 targets for 40 receptions, 720 yards, and three touchdowns. He had a solid year, 11 games, and he got three touchdowns for 720 yards on 40 catches. That's a pretty good year, and Tom Brady seemed to like him. Tom Brady seemed to have chemistry with him. I do think there is a downside to signing Josh Gordon. Are we going to force-feed Josh Gordon like Tom Brady did last season? When I look at the receiving core, I don't think it's a big issue. I'm not, I don't think Josh Gordon solves everything, but look at it. I know it's banged up right now, but... You know, disregarding injuries, you know, Demarius Thomas is really the only one that won't, probably won't play week one, but like Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Demarius Thomas when he comes back, Philip Dorsett, Braxton Berrios, Maurice Harris, Jacoby Myers, and then you tack on um, jo- Josh Gordon. You did lose Dontrell Inman, which I was not happy about. Uh, I think Inman did ask the Patriots to be released over the weekend, and I wonder if he just didn't think he was going to make the team or something. He spent his first three years in the league with the Chargers. First season, he played seven games, didn't start any, got 12 catches for 158 yards, didn't do much. Second year, seven games before, seven games started and 14 games played, a little bit of a bigger role, 35 catches for three touchdowns, 486 yards. Third season, uh, 16 games played, started them all, 97 targets for 58 catches, 810 yards, four touchdowns. So solid year. And then he goes to Chicago. It says he goes to Chicago 
for eight games, starts seven of them, gets 23 catches, 334 yards, and a touchdown, but then gets traded back to the Chargers, where he plays four games, gets two catches for nine receptions, which isn't great. But then he came to the Colts last season, nine games, four games started, 28 catches, 304 yards, three touchdowns. So he's kind of a journeyman. He's been a journeyman, but he's been solidly productive over his career. Like, I look at what he did, like, that third year. I don't know what happened, you know, in these past two seasons, you know. Three seasons ago, he's very good. He's kind of dipped off. But still, if he can give you a nice old depth chart piece that can give you maybe 25 to 30 catches for a few touchdowns, I'll take that. I like Dontrell Lindman, and I thought he could have been something for your team, but he's gone. And Josh Gordon definitely has some more potential. He's a more flashy name, but... I just don't want to feed Josh Gordon. Like, remember what we did in that Tennessee game when we lost 31 to 10? We were just feeding Josh Gordon. Given, I mean, that was just Tom Brady was off his game that day. The receivers weren't really doing a great job getting open. The game plan was flawed that day. Uh, day. But I, I just kind of look at it and, and sit here and say, I just don't want to force feed Josh Gordon like we did. And I don't think we will. I don't think it will be a huge problem. But I wonder how Bill Belichick and Tom Brady feel about this situation as well. Josh, the, the, this past month or so, they've been asked about Josh Gordon. Bill Belichick said it's not our problem. Tom, They both aren't really speaking very highly of Josh Gordon. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick just did not sound very happy about the situation. Tom, and I, I thought Tom Brady would at least be a little more positive about it. I mean, uh, Tom, Bill Belichick's been a guy who's always sat here and said, if you're injured, if you're you know suspended, whatever, he has nothing to do with you. If you can't help him at the moment, he doesn't want anything to do with you. Once you can start playing and helping the team, we'll talk. That's Bill Belichick's uh, philosophy. But Tom Brady, not that type of guy. He's more, you know, he's a happier character. He seemed to have a good connection with Josh Gordon. He didn't sound, you know, like he, he was talking too highly of Josh Gordon about a month ago. It was a little quick, though. I will say he steps away from football, gets suspended. The NFL brings him back. I'm not sure he's worthy of a, a sixth chance, but the NFL, Roger Goodell's just going to keep giving him chances. Roger Goodell loves Josh Gordon. Roger Goodell picks and chooses his guys. Like, he hates Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he's very inconsistent with the whole thing. Like, Hill doesn't get suspended. Zeke does. All that type of stuff. Josh Gordon did, but they brought him back quickly. They felt, you know what? He's done enough. He's done well rehabbing. But, you know, we said that the last time. Yeah, it, it sounds like Josh Gordon will be back. And look where we are right now. Then he came out right back out again and missed some of the bigger games of the year. We thought, yep, he's back, new system, he rehabbed well. Josh Gordon, football, is back, gets suspended again, steps away from the game. So I just don't know how reliable he is. Uh, and then he's on the NFI list, non-football injury list, which I like. Because I kind of see him and say, first of all, Josh Gordon, earn, earn your way back on the roster. Because I feel like it's being given to Josh Gordon. I'm sure he's worked in different ways to get back into the league. You know, Roger Goodell loves Josh Gordon and feel like that's his own little experiment right there that can't go wrong. But I don't think Roger Goodell's just going to give everything to Josh Gordon. I think he had to earn it in some way or another. And he obviously did. But you can't just give this to Josh Gordon. You've got to be tough on him. You've got to really make him decide, you know what? We're just not going to give it to you. It's not going to be that easy. you gotta, you got to really prove it to us. You proved it to Roger Goodell, but who knows? Roger Goodell has a thing for Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon may have sat on his behind for those past few months, and Roger Goodell just called him up and said, hey, I think we're just going to bring you back in the league. Who knows? I doubt it, but you, you get my point. Bill Belichick, though, I think Belichick, if you put him on a non-football injury list where he can – Come practice every week. He you know, goes to team meetings. He's on the team. He just can't play on Sunday, but he can be on the sideline. That's amazing. That's incredible because you know what you're doing? You're not letting Josh Gordon go off on his own and do God knows what he's doing and not really keep an eye on him, but you can have him be a part of the team, basically keeping a very good eye on Josh Gordon. Bring him to the game. Just don't play him. So that way, yes, he's under our kind of control. We can keep an eye on him, 
but he's technically not on that game day Sunday 53-man roster. He has to earn his way back on it. So I like that approach. Make him earn it and keep an eye on him. That type of thing. I love that. Because all of a sudden, if you just give it to Josh Gordon, I feel like he's just going to be like, well, you know, if I get caught, seventh chance. I, I mean, that's the point it's come to. He's gotten a ton of chances by now. And I, I don't think he realizes, you know, once he gets suspended, one of these times could be the last time. One of these times could be the last time for Josh Gordon. I just don't think he realizes that because he's been given so many opportunities and everything's kind of been handed to him. He hasn't deserved all of this, and yet he's still got it. So I just think you have to really make him really work for that and start to realize, you know what, this could be your last chance, so make the most of it. If you do that with Josh Gordon, I think you'll be all right. And then the last thing I want to get to, Ryan Allen being cut for Jake Bailey. Don't know how much to say about this one. They drafted Jake Bailey in the fifth round. Obviously, Bill Belichick's a big special teams guy. Oh, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I, you know, studied Jake Bailey, but I know he's, you know, obviously if you get drafted as a punter in the fifth round, you're very good because it's very hard for special teams players to be drafted. Obviously, Robert Aguayo, whatever his name is, was drafted by the Bucks in third round. He didn't pan out, but you get my point. Apparently, he's a very smart punter. Uh, he's got a solid leg as well. I figured, you know, Ryan Allen had been with the team for six seasons. I figured... It was, he was, from what I my understanding, a pretty average punter. And Bill Belichick's probably saying, you know what? Because he cares about this stuff. We want to push Josh Allen, uh, Ryan Allen a little bit. I think he wanted to upgrade at the position, which makes you wonder, maybe he doesn't have complete faith in the offense. Maybe, you know, his faith in the offense has gone down a little. And Tom Brady and all that. And he wants a little bit of a better punter. He thinks they need a little bit of an upgrade there. He thinks they're going to be punting the ball a little more. So he said, yes, this kind of matters. We're going to try to push Ryan Allen, make him a little better, because he has to be a little better. He's average right now. Let's try to make him a little better. And if he isn't, if Jake Bailey really wows us and Ryan Allen seems to be staying like an average punter, I guess, we'll cut him and make Jake Bailey, and I guess that's what happened. I haven't really been paying attention on the punting situation, but I knew Jake Bailey was probably going to be the starter in about a year, and that was probably trying to – he was just trying to push Ryan Allen to become a better player because Ryan Allen had just kind of been there, like, you know, in the corner, just doing his job, like not doing anything spectacular. And all of a sudden it was like a wake-up call. All right, this kid's in. He's good. He's going to push you. Too much for Ryan Allen, I guess. Uh, I hope he gets a job somewhere else. I think he's good enough. Uh, but – Jake Bailey's the new punter, I guess. Uh, just a quick thought on that. So now we're going to get to the Patriots preseason game against the Tennessee Titans. So let's get to that. Okay, so the Patriots pulling out preseason week two, 22-17 in Tennessee over the Titans. Next two games will be in New England. We're done on the road. I'll admit I was not very interested in this game. Here's why. I feel like the first preseason you're saying, Aiden, you broke down the whole first week of preseason. I seem to find it somewhat entertaining, but I think that's just because it's the first week of football. Yes, you've had training camp and whatnot, but this is the first really live in-game action, so you're really pumped for it. You're like, I'll take anything at this point. The NFL offseason, it's long. It's a drag. Some teams have not played since December, luckily as a Patriots fan. We played in February. So some teams, I mean, have waited longer than us, given they've had playoff football, just not for their team. So I kind of just sat there, and I was just like, oh, my God, this game's pretty boring. I was over a friend's house. I didn't watch a ton of the game. I watched bits and pieces. I didn't watch, like, the whole game. Like, I missed the third quarter. I went back and watched the highlights now. But we watched, like, the fourth quarter. We watched some of the first, second, like, stuff like that. But we didn't watch the whole game. Uh, which came in bits and pizzas, but I just wasn't as entertained. I feel like the first weeks, because again, you haven't watched football in so long, you will take anything, even preseason football. But after the first week, it gets boring. Then you got the second week, it's like, all right, you know what? Kind of want some real NFL action. By the time the third week rolls around, you're like, okay, I'm getting sick of this. And the fourth week's like, you're kidding me, right? Uh, I do have fantasy. You've got, like, fantasy football to look forward to, too. But, like, it's just like, oh, my God. And Tom Brady didn't even play. You know, I like to see my starting quarterback play in the second week of preseason like every other team. But then again, he's Tom Brady. 
But I, I once, you know, you see he's not even going to play either. You know what he brings to the table. But, God, I just, I'm still going to talk about it. I think there are some takeaways. I'm not saying it's like, it's not like watching paint dry. But, God, just it's going to keep getting more boring from here on out. Week three could potentially be a little better just because Tom Brady might actually play. But week four, week four is horrible. Oh, my God, week four. Oh, because they don't, week four, the starters don't play. I don't think, at least. Week four is to the point where, like, I'm done. Foot, real football is a week away. You know, college football starts this Saturday, so right in the middle of week three. But week four, you know, college football is really fully in swing. You're kind of saying, you're like, yes, college football's on. I'm done with this preseason. The NFL's right there, and we have to watch these dreaded backups play for one more week. It's just going to get worse. I don't mind preseason week one. I, I'll do two weeks, but, oh, my God. It's just going to get worse from here, but I'm going to – Take some takeaways from this game. We'll start with the quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer starts out the game, goes 6 for 8, 55 yards, and an interception to Logan Ryan. Hoyer looks solid besides that interception. You know what you're getting from Brian Hoyer, a decent backup. He did throw the pick, though, but other than that, he looked pretty much fine to me. I mean, you know what you're getting with Hoyer, a solid backup. Nothing really, you know, too much to look into there. Then there's Jared Siddham. He showed a good arm, 14 for 19, 193 yards, and a touchdown. But the guy almost threw three interceptions. The first one should have been picked off at the goal line, which is horrible. You throw a pick at the goal line, that's the worst thing you can do. Because, first of all, throwing a pick at the goal line... I mean, I know you you just the Seahawks versus Patriots. That's all you can think about. But a lot of the times, like, where he threw it to, if you throw a, a pick on the outside, like, a guy cuts across. Like, let's say you throw one near the pylon, right? Outside towards the pylon. It went, He cut that ball off. So a guy, the guy, I forget who it was, he cut the ball off and almost picked it off. That is the worst interception you can throw, especially on the goal line, because... Not only are you sitting there saying you're blown, you're one yard away from the end zone from getting a touchdown, but two on those outside throws when the the cornerback cuts across, he's gone. That's six points for the other team. I'm not saying I don't know if he would have got it there because he kind of had a lunge out. He kind of would have been off balance. Maybe he would have been tripped up. A Patriots player could have got to him. But you guys are all like bunched up in the middle. You've only got one receiver, you know, on the outside, so it's hard. When you do that and they kind of cut that off, it can be bad. Not only do you miss out on a touchdown, the other team usually does score a touchdown on that. So that was bad. The second one was kind of out to the flat. Um, and it was kind of like a high throw in the air. I forget who caught it. That's my problem. Let me see if I get I, I, I don't know. I would think it was... I wanted to say Andrew Beck, but I don't think it was him. I'm not sure, but it was a throw out into the flat. Jared Sidham threw it high in the air, thank goodness. They almost cut it off and picked it off. It was another one of those where the cornerback kind of came in, and when he went to throw it, the cornerback kind of read his eyes and came in, and he jumped up and missed the ball. Thank God it was a very high throw that kind of like somehow got to the receivers while he had to jump up. I think he was a bigger receiver for the ball. Thank God it was a high throw which isn't great either. You know, Maybe that was Sidham trying to avoid an interception there, but I don't usually see a quarterback say, oh, I see the cornerback coming, so I'll just throw it high in the air into the flat. It's kind of weird, but it was kind of just not really a great throw because he threw it high in the air and it almost got picked off. Then the third one was one where he basically tried to throw the ball away, failed to do so, and they almost picked it off. He tried throwing the ball away, and it still landed in play. Luckily, it was like right, it was in play, but it was like right next to the sideline, and he landed out of bounds. So you got away with three interceptions. That easily could have been a day where he went 11 for 19 with 100, maybe, you know, 76 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Nick Brissett ended up punching that touchdown in when he almost threw that pick, but that was that was the closest one, the first one. But that was just I I Stidham. He just seems like another one of those guys to me. I'm not saying I think Stidham could be something, but he seems like another one of those guys who Ryan Mallett, Jacoby Brissett, who come in with the Patriots, look good in training camp, look good in the preseason, have their flaws obviously. 
you know, oh, oh, they could be something. They kind of stay on the depth chart for a year, don't really do much, and then they get traded and do nothing in the league. It's just another one of those. And Ryan Mallon ended up proving in Baltimore he was nothing special. Brissett's just been like a nice little backup in Indianapolis. So Stidham to me, it, kind of another one. I like the pick. Again, the fourth round because the guys got value there, and I wanted to bring. I love bringing in quarterbacks, and I think it was time. It was the right pick at the right time, not too high of a pick. You got a good value guy. Like the guy has potential, and he's got potential with his legs as well. But to me, yeah, he showed off some potential, had a solid arm, but the interceptions to me, I don't know what his what his stats were. I'll look them up right now, but I don't know what his stats were in college. I don't know if he was very interception prone because I remember breaking them down. I never really looked at his stats though. Uh, college, yeah, it was college stats. Let's see if he was like interception prone because he almost threw three. Eighteen intercept, uh, eighteen touchdowns, five interceptions. The year eighteen before eighteen and six. The year before twelve and two. So not really. No, he was never really that interception prone in college. But I mean, that that was almost three in the preseason against the Titans. We'll have a solid defense, but so the Titans played a lot of starters. I will say, like Mariota out there looked like he's playing for their life. He played. They played Mariota. They played Taylor Lewan. They played Corey Davis. They're playing Logan Ryan. They're playing a lot of their starters. I mean, the Titans basically gave you a dose of what their team is going to look like, and they still lost. The Titans are, especially Mariota. Mariota is a joke. He's a joke. I gave up on him a long time ago. This is a make-or-break season for him. It's going to be a break. I, 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 he's a joke. He really is. He'll be nothing more than a mediocre quarterback in the league. The only thing that stands out third best win-loss record in the NFL since 2015 facing teams over 500 behind only Ben Roethlisberger and obviously Tom Brady. That's the only good thing that stands out about him. Other than that, he's injury-prone and he can never finish a season. He's just so mediocre when he does play, too. He's so mediocre. He's got solid, like, he's diving into the end zone. He's been playing for his life. He struggled last week. This week, let me look at his stats. I know, you know, he wasn't really incredible. Six for nine, 63 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> like, that's what we were getting out of Marcus Mariota. The guy dived into the end zone. He looked like John Elway in the Super Bowl in a preseason week two game against the Patriots, and proceeded to lose. Ryan Tanhill came in there as well, 7 for 11, 84 yards and a touchdown. He looked solid. But Mariota looked pretty average. He had a few throws that were like, eh, against, you know, the Patriots' backups, to say the least. Like, that, that to me, just... <laughs> Ryan, Marcus Mariota, he's just a joke. He really is. I've given up on him. Between him and James Winston, I'll take Winston any day going into the season for a make-or-break season. Who has a better chance of succeeding? Jameis Winston. Mariota has a lower ceiling and a higher floor. But that's the thing about it. Winston and Mariota hitting their floor both suck. So I'd rather take Winston because he's a much higher ceiling. If Winston can eliminate the turnovers and learn under Bruce Arians, he could be the next quarter. He could really be the Bucks guy, and he could be a solid quarterback in the league. Mariota, on the other hand, is done. He's just going to be a mediocre quarterback. I've seen enough. Winston, though, I want another year. I want another dose of Mark, uh, James Winston. I want to see what he does this year under Bruce Arians. I want more James Winston, Marcus Mariota. Oh, I can't stand him. Oh, he's bad. Oh, he is bad. Oh, whew. they had to play him in week one. He played in week one and struggled against the Eagles' backup defense. Week one, no starters play. Marcus Mariota did because he's that type of starter. He's so mediocre. He's not the worst quarterback in the league, obviously, but he, oh, oh, oh. If he was ever my franchise quarterback, oh. And I'm the Titans, too. That's the thing, like, Marcus Mariota is the quarterback on one of the most boring teams in the league. Oh, I can't. That's the Titans for that reason. Especially Marcus Mariota. I just can't stand him. But anyway, go over to the rushing game. Damian Harris. The guy didn't play last week. I wasn't a huge fan of the pick. I said it's a great value pick, but we don't need another running back. 
Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead isn't enough. But then I sat there and thought to myself, Michelle and Burkhead are both injury prone. So that's fair enough. But Damian Harris, 14 carries, 80 yards for 5.7 yards a carry. And then not to mention, he had, I believe he had a catch too. He had four catches for 23 yards. So he's productive in the backfield and he's productive out of the backfield. Damian Harris had a great, great day. And that was big because you didn't hear too much about him in training camp, didn't play in preseason week one. That was one of my bigger takeaways that weren't talked about was like Damian Harris didn't play. So I kind of sat there. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Comes in week two was the main back. Was productive out of the backfield. Very productive out of the backfield. So that was great to see. I love watching him play, too, because I feel like he brings a little bit of everything. He's very shifty. He had a lot of juke moves. Like, he was able to find those holes. He's very shifty. And he also was able to, like, break tackles. Just watching Damian Harris, like, go back and watch him. Those runs were satisfying to watch. They were. They were fun to watch. And if you go back and look, I just he showed that shiftiness. He just showed a little bit of power. He showed a little bit of everything. He showed that speed, too. He showed a little bit of toughness, ability to break tackles. He just showed a little bit of a package of everything. And I loved it. He was so fun to watch. And there's Nick Brissett, who I, I've seen enough. Nine carries, 19 yards for a touchdown. I'm so sick of this guy. Because and he had one catch for 18 yards. Yeah, he scored on the goal line. It was a pitch. He walked his way in. But Nick Brissett had what 22 carries last week for 66 yards. I've seen enough. The guy averaged three carries last week, 2.1. The guy has came out of nowhere and been like one of the main backs in preseason. I want to see more Damian Harris and more even Brandon Bolden. I. I I've seen enough. The guy's 23 years old, apparently, out of LSU. Uh, And listen, I want to give everyone a shot, and I think he's one of those guys who should probably be playing. Um, But no, I think Brissett, apparently he's out of LSU. I never knew much about him. And last season, 1,039 rushing yards for 14 rushing touchdowns, 4.3 yards average. Actually, that's pretty good. But I've seen enough to the point where I don't want to feed this guy the ball every time. I feel like Bill's kind of sitting here saying, yeah, give him one more chance type of thing. And because I didn't hear great things about him in training camp, and I haven't seen great things out on the field. The guy's rushing for two or three yards a carry. Now, I don't want to see a lot of Nick Brissett. Like, I'm okay if he gets a few carries. Like, next game, if he gets six carries, that's fine. Or something like that, you know. But I want to see the carries, you know, go down for Nick Brissett. 22 and then you proceed to give him nine this week. Like, if he gets five or six next week, fine. And if he does well, maybe keep feeding him the ball. But you've seen – I've seen enough that this guy just isn't it. And, you know, by the stats that he put up at LSU, maybe I'd be like, ooh. But, no, I haven't seen anything really good out of him really at the pro level. And this is against the backups. So what is he going to do against the starters? <sighs> yeah. Brandon Bolden, four carries for two yards and a touchdown. That was a cheap touchdown, though. He walked his way into the end zone, just like Dick Brissett. Obviously, you know Brandon Bolden's a special teamer. He's that guy that runs the ball in Week 17 or runs the ball when you're up by 30 against the New York Jets. He stomped all over you in those two carries last season. But you get the point in the Miami Miracle game. But no, you know Brandon Bolden's just a special teamer. And then Dontrell Lindman got a rush for two yards, which is kind of weird. Um, and then you go over to the receiving core. Jacoby Myers stayed hot. He wasn't when he did last week with six catches for 82 yards and a two-point conversion. He really came alive in that fourth quarter, obviously banged up his shoulder a little bit, but I was like, don't put him back in. This guy has value. And then they proceeded to put him back in, and he ended up being fine, thank goodness. But I think Jacoby Myers could be something special. I really do. I think this kid could be a solid piece in the NFL. And listen, I don't like to, you know, see these guys perform well in the preseason and really say they're going to be something great. But Jacoby Myers, he's one of those guys that I look at and really think his play in the preseason will truly translate over into the real NFL regular season playoffs. You get the point. I just think he has that talent. He's shown that ability to get open himself. He shows that speed, that toughness. He's got hands like glue. He can just get himself open one-on-one. He shows off good footwork as well. He just brings such a good package, such a good work ethic as well. Uh, And 
I don't know. I just, I love the kid. And I know he's undrafted. And I know. But look, he has had a great training camp. He's had a great, excuse me for a minute. <laughs> oh, excuse me. But he's just, he's played really well. And I just see the talent there. I really do. Uh, and I want to look up his stats here. But I know they were good last season. Last season, they were good uh, stats. Stats. Let me just pull them up here for a second. But I remember he used to play quarterback, but last year at North Carolina State, so a really smallish school. Not really small, but you know, he got my point. Not really big either. He was a junior, played 12 games, got 92 catches, caught 1,047 yard for 1,047 yards and four touchdowns. That's pretty good for 12 games for a guy who played quarterback the year before. The guy played quarterback the year before, or his first year, and then he translated over to wide receiver. So he's shown that big leap. Like, once he got a year under his belt of wide receiver, he started to play really well. He went on drafted, though. Uh, you know, North Carolina State is pretty big, uh, but he could have gone a little bigger, I guess. I don't know, but he sounds like he's got some talent. He's shown that big jump um, from – Freshman, junior, I, I always mix them up. So I know freshman's first, senior's last, junior's third, which means whatever, second to third. <laughs> junior, junior is third. What is second? I've got it down because I had freshman. I always remember freshman, senior, junior, sophomore. Sophomore season, I believe, he started wide receiver. And then junior year was the second-year wide receiver. There was a huge jump in statistics from year two to three. So I think that should have shown something to scouts as well, but he didn't make the cut. But he's shown potential here in New England, and I really like the kid. I really do. And I think he can be something special. I think you have to put him on the 53-man roster because if you just throw him on the practice squad, say, we want a little more time, we don't want to rush him in. He's getting scooped up the second you put him on the practice squad. So you can't do that. You got to get put him on the roster, whether you like it or not. Lance Kendricks had a catch for 28 yards. Ryan Izzo had a catch for 21 yards. A ton of these guys with just one catch. Just a ton of guys. Jacoby Myers had six. Damian Harris had four. Everyone else only had one catch. Dontrell Inman had one catch for 17 yards in the fourth quarter there. He kept doing that double step and in move. Like he'd kind of go like, Double step, what I mean by that, he kind of like just go double step, kind of like a little bit of a fake to the right and then go into the left. And he kept running that route. And I was just like, I keep looking at the bottom of the screen, especially the fourth quarter. You just see him running the same exact route. He got one catch for 17 yards. I, I feel like Dontrell Lindman's kind of sat here and said, after that preseason week two, he's kind of sat here, watched Jacoby Myers play well. Uh, Damoon Patterson caught a touchdown. Damoon. Uh, that's a big joke on the podcast. Not a big one, but a joke. If you've been listening for when I ranted on the Patriots receiving core a long time ago, back when free agency was around, I started making fun of like Damoon Patterson. He caught a touchdown. He's never going to be anything special, believe me. But I think Dontrell Linden's kind of sat here and said, I haven't played this that well in the system. You know, I've been okay, but I've been nothing special. This is a deep receiving core. Like Julian Edelman's obviously going to make the team. Nikhil Harry's going to make the team. Demarius Thomas, I don't know, but, you know, I don't know about that one. Also, stay away from that one. Philip Dorsett has been banked up, but I think he'll make the team. He looks at then, all of a sudden, he's just like, all right, so I feel pretty comfortable where I am. Then, all of a sudden, he hears Josh Gordon's coming back. Jacoby Myers just kind of came out of nowhere and played really well. Maurice Harris wasn't bad. So all of a sudden, he's kind of like, oh, my God, I might not make the roster. So he says, you know what? I want out. I'm sure the Patriots were kind of sitting there saying, you know, with Josh Gordon, we had to cut one of you anyway. So that made things easy. And then Inman said, I want out. You know what? I want to go somewhere in the next two weeks and prove my worth. Because Inman may be afraid I may not make an NFL uh, NFL roster if I just sit with the Patriots here. You know, so he wants to get out of there and prove his worth in these next two weeks before the NFL season starts so he can make a roster. He's worthy of a roster, in my opinion. I like Dontrell Linden, so I'm a little sad to see him go, but it's not a huge loss. Then we move over to defense. Uh, Chase Winovich, the big takeaway once again. Four tackles, one assisted, 
for one sack as well. I mean, he had, what, seven quarterback pressures? I think he had 12 the week before. So the guy has been super productive. He reminds me of a Patriots linebacker. I love the pick. I gave the pick an A-plus out of the draft. I said, this guy is going to be – he's going to be a Patriots linebacker for a while. He could go into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Mark my words on that one, he could. If he ends up busting, my bad. But it, I know Chase Winovich is at least going to be a top-level bench player. He's dominated the backups. He's going to at least be an elite bench player, okay, which is nothing special, but I think he's at least going to be a solid starter in the league, at least an average starter, I think he'll be. But we know his floor is a good backup. We know that already. Now it's can how will we play against the starters? What's his ceiling? To me, the ceiling is Patriots Hall of Fame. Hall, real Hall of Fame, I don't know, maybe the NFL Hall of Fame, but he just seems like that Patriot type of player. Like, when you drafted, he seems like a pretty humble, pretty humble dude. Um, and he just seems like he's a productive linebacker. We've seen a ton of linebackers come and go, and I feel like it's time for the next one. You know, whether you consider Dante Hightower, Dante Hightower is good, but I don't feel like he's that Patriots linebacker I'm talking about. Like Teddy Bruschi, Rob Ninkovich, that type of group. Chase Winovich fits in there. I think he does. And if he plays well and continues to kind of go on the track that I think he will, I could see him one day, you know, having just some productive years with the Patriots and making the Patriots Hall of Fame. I just see him kind of in that grouping. Uh, to me, he's just looked really good. I believed in him since we drafted him. Before we even drafted him, I believed in the kid. I thought third round he'd be a steal, and the Patriots stole him. Other than that, though, the defense was solid. Uh, 17 points to basically the Titans starters for half the game because the Titans just went all out for this game. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I know week two, you know, you like to give these guys some reps, but, like, you know, they, they, you know, Marcus Murray was dying for touchdowns. It was crazy. But that is my takeaways. Those are my takeaways from week two of the NFL preseason. Again, Anchor Mobile app, feel free to call in with your takeaways from any one of your team's games, anything you want to get to. Like, anything is on the table right now, not just NFL preseason, not just this Patriots game or anything I talk about on this podcast episode. Anything you want to talk about, call in on the Anchor Mobile app. So now we are going to get to the Boston Red Sox, so let's get to that. Okay, so, yeah, I want to get to the Red Sox these past six games, but I want to start with the big news right now, Chris Sale. So, ESPN, I'm just going to read what ESPN wrote. I forget who even reported this, but this is according to Jeff Passan, who very well may have reported this, but says, Boston Red Sox ace Chris Sale missed the remainder of the season with a left elbow injury, but is expected to avoid Tommy John surgery after a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews confirmed a previous diagnosis of inflammation. Sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Sale flew to Florida to meet with Andrews on Monday, and he was treated a platelet-rich plasma injection, Red Sox President Dave Dabrowski said in a statement. Following a recommended... Re- recommended <laughs> following a recommended shutdown for throwing, Sale will be reevaluated by Andrews in six weeks. Following his most recent start six days ago, which I'll just throw up a stat line right now: six and two thirds of an inning, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, twelve strikeouts against the Indians. Um, Sale felt soreness in his elbow and underwent an MRI. In MRI, not MRI. And initial readings showed showed changes geez, from the MRI Sale had in the spring, but weren't clear enough to determine whether there is damage to to his ulnar collateral ligament. So I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen now with the Red Sox because without Chris Sale, that's a big loss. Now, I know Chris Sale has not had the best season, but he's still been arguably your best pitcher, which says it's pretty sad, which isn't sad in the sense that Chris Sale should be your best pitcher, but looking at the year he's had, that's sad that he's your best pitcher. Without Chris Sale, though, that's a loss. You don't have a lot of depth, okay? What about the Red Sox? You know, is the season over, though, at this point? I say it might be. I know you're only, I mean, you were only six and a half games behind the Rays. Now, I think, well, 
it says now you're six and a half. Yeah, you're six and a half games behind the Rays. I thought they were gonna lose yesterday, but maybe they made a comeback. I didn't even check. Uh, let me see right now. But the Red Sox have won five in a row. Last time I checked on them was right after that um, Angel series, and they're five and one in their last six. It's like I don't check up on them, and they do somewhat decent. But here's my problem: is my problem with the Red Sox is that. It was against the Orioles. I mean, you beat the Indians, a hot Indians team in that series 2-1, to one, which was solid. And then you went out and sweeped the Orioles. So I I, mean, I want to buy in, but I can't because this, the Red Sox has been doing this all season. And they usually win two or three games and then blow the rest. And this is a five-game winning streak, but it was against the Orioles. That's my problem. And now you're without Chris, uh, Chris Sale. I don't know if I can buy into this. I can't. I'll tell you right now, I cannot buy into this. I wish I could because it look it's tempting, but you have to remember, this is the Orioles, and then you know the Indians. Yes, was a good one, but that was a close series. It's it's tough. I I want to buy in, but I I can't. I want to see how do you do against the Phillies? Okay, that'll be that'll be something to see. I want to see, how do you do against the Phillies? This two-game series, this will be like a little check mark. Like, you just got a little break. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling against the Phillies into that Padres series. We'll see how the Red Sox are doing. But right now, I'm just not sure I can really... I can't. I'm not sure. I know I cannot buy into this right now. I can't put an investment. I can't put a dime on what the Red Sox have done in these past five games. Because I've seen it too many times where they do pretty well against some eh competition and then they go out and blow the rest of the games. Even not even eh competition. They'll win a few games, get fans a little excited, and then they blow the rest. And I've been saying it all year long ever since really the first month or two of Red Sox baseball. This team is inconsistent. I can't buy in until they win a good amount of games in a row. And I know five is a good amount. But that was against the Orioles. So they need to continue this with the Phillies. And you have to con- the- you have to think about it this way. They're six and a half games out of the wild card spot. So now all of a sudden you have to win more games. Like, you have to. A three-game winning streak isn't going to cut it. You have to continue this. So that's my problem. Like, before it would have been a success to win three, three more than three games in a row. Now you have to win more than five games in a row because you really have to make up some ground now. Before, it was like, yeah, you've got to make up a little ground when it's nothing bad. Now you've really got to speed up the process. Like, it's must-win baseball. You've got to beat the Phillies here in this two-game series. If you can sweep the Phillies, that would be such a great feeling. But then you've got to continue it with the Padres. You've got to stay hot here. You can't just slow down, take a break, and just say, well, this series we're gonna uh we're gonna loaf it. You can do that, uh, maybe against that last series against the Orioles if you've locked up a wild card spot and there's nothing to play for. But I just don't think that's gonna be the scenario. You've gotta keep things rolling. You can't loaf it throughout any of these series whatsoever. It's must-win baseball for the Red Sox. They haven't been able to stay hot. They'll get a little winning streak rolling, and then they'll go ahead and get a big losing streak going. That is how the Red Sox are. They're very inconsistent. That's why I cannot buy in, especially because you swept the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles are a joke. Their season is over. They are bad. They are horrendous. You should have swept them, hot or not. I hate to say it. And the Indians, well, yes, they're a good team, but... I just, I, I don't know. And the thing about the Orioles game is, they're the Orioles, okay? I said it, I know I said it, but I have to keep stressing that. I can't buy into the Red Sox. I never could after a nice little winning streak, especially when it was the Orioles you swept. And if it was the Yankees you swept after beating two games, if they're winning two games in a row against the Indians, maybe I'm a little more excited. But even then, I'm not sold because that's only, you know, a series and a half of good baseball. You have a ton of ground to make up. You haven't been able to stay consistently good for really three series in a row this whole season. So we'll see if you do against the Phillies. I'll count that. I'll let that slide. Seven game winning streak. And then, you know, you're going to go up against the Padres. If you can sweep the Phillies and win two or three against the Padres, I am very, very happy. 4-1. I can't I can't expect you to win every game. If you can – how about this? Just even out of the Phillies and the Padres, you have to win four of the next five, okay? 
Four of the next five. You have to make up ground. I can't stress that enough. If you win three of the next five, I have to put more and more stress on every single game. I want to relieve pressure from this team. Get the job done now. Make up ground now so that way when we roll in against the Rangers and the Orioles to end the season, you can kind of sit back. Now, if we do make the playoffs, here's my question. Should we pitch Chris Sale? Because there's a possibility by October he could be ready. Maybe by the second round. he Chris Sale could be ready. My answer is it really depends on how he feels. I don't rush Chris Sale into anything at all. I don't starting pitch him either. I put Chris Sale in as like the closer. Or, you know, a, you know, someone in the bullpen. The closer would, I feel like, be a good spot if he can pitch solidly well. Because you need a closer. I feel like Chris Sale could go for that. But my question is, it depends on how he feels. If Chris Sale's like, I'm not sure the elbow still hurts, don't pitch him. But if Chris Sale's kind of like, you know what, you've seen him pitch now. He feels all right. You know, we're heading into the, you know, the round after the divisional round, maybe. You know, it's like the third game. His elbow starting to feel better. You've seen him pitch a little bit. And you throw him out there for, you know, seven, eight pitches. That I'd be okay with. I don't want to think about it until the time comes because that's weeks ahead and we may not get to that point. There's a very good chance we may not get to that point because. It's going to be tough enough for us to get to the wild card game. Never mind, then go ahead and win that wild card game. That's already going to be tough enough to get to. But if we get to that point, we'll start talking. But for now, I just don't want to. That would be my thought process for now, but I don't want to start thinking about that. But the Red Sox are lucky it's not a Tommy John surgery. It's through the money you just paid him. Uh, and I don't know. I, I just, I don't, sorry, really regret that signing. I don't know about the Red Sox season, but you are picking up some steam right now. But the thing is, can you continue that? You have not been able to do that all season. So it's just a matter of can you continue to stay hot or not? So that is going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope I could potentially maybe do a podcast tonight again. Because I feel like this is month. I feel like if I do an episode... Monday night, that's like Tuesday's episode. If I didn't know relatively early on Tuesday, I feel like that's kind of like, doesn't really make a difference. So if I do one tonight, that's like Wednesday's episode. Because I know I won't be probably, like there's a 99 point, there's probably a 0.0000001% chance I'm going to be able to do a podcast on Wednesday. That'll probably most of you will listen to on Thursday. You know, I just can't do Wednesdays. They're really busy for me. So, and I've been so inconsistent lately. I'm sorry. So that's why I'm going to try to do one time. I can't guarantee anything. But I hope you guys enjoyed. I, there's still some more I want to get to. More on the plate. I want to work on like a fantasy football guide. Like a complete fantasy football guide or something like that. And try to work on that. We'll see how that, how that goes. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. And I hope to see you next time.